Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is Revelation 12. Now, I hope that you appreciate these videos because <laughs> just talking frankly, they take me about three times more work and time to put together. They are a lot of trouble, but in this case, I think I've got some things to show you that I cannot just do audio on. I just can't do just put it on the radio. I've got to show you what I'm about to show you. Here's some of the things that I'm about to show you. Revelation 12, contrary to what many people understand, it's actually one of those complicated and one of the most important chapters in all of Revelation and perhaps even the Bible. The top levels are easy to see, as with much of the Scripture, but today we're going to go a little bit deeper. I'm going to show you where to live and also where to flee during the tribulation, when to flee and the signs leading up to it, the history of Israel, Jesus, Lucifer, the land of unwalled villages you probably do not know, the place the woman flees to, all of this found in Revelation chapter 12. Let's start. Revelation 12, 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, that's important, and a moon under her feet, upon her head a crown of twelve stars. I cannot tell you how many times I have seen various things that people have sent to me, what they think this is. Well, fortunately, we had Bob Wadsworth, which is an expert on biblical astronomy, coming. He's actually made four DVDs with Prophecy Club, uh, just beyond intelligence, really, really good. And he says, actually, this is an astronomical configuration. It appears once in the skies every two to three years. But the interesting part is it appears on the Feast of Trumpets. Now, why is that so important? Because Jesus returns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords when he puts his feet down on the Mount of Olives on trumpets. That is the day of the Lord. That is the day he returns on the white horse. We return with him from the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's when he burns the tares. That's when we get a glorified body and all of our crowns and mantles and all of our rewards. So actually, that's very important. But this does not tell us the day Jesus returns outside of that. Now let's go to verse 2. And she, being with child, Jesus, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, to behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. This does not tie back to Revelation 13, nor does it tie to Daniel chapter 7. It's simply telling us what the devil looks like at this particular point. And as we get to Revelation 13 and Daniel chapter 7, then I'll explain those. But if you try to tie this to them, you're going to get all tangled up. Verse 4, and his tail, this is important. And I can't tell you, this is one of those things that people get out of place. They think that this has already happened. Cannot tell you how many people have told me, oh, this already happened. <laughs> has not. <laughs> has not happened. Revelation 12, 4, and his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven. That means that a third part of the angels in heaven fell. No, this didn't happen in the days of Adam. I know a lot of people think that. Yes, they will fall, and they have fallen in the spirit, but they've not been cast to the earth yet. A third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. I'm going to show you in just a second scripture that proves that they have not been cast to the earth yet. And did cast them to the earth, and dragons stood before the woman. In other words, this was Herod trying to kill Jesus when he was born. Remember, he had to flee off to Egypt. Okay, The dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. 
And she brought forth a man-child, that's Jesus, who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. What's the rod of iron? That means that in the millennium, those people that are the corners not harvested, those people that are the dogs that are without, those people that did not receive the mark, but they didn't take, uh, they didn't take the mark, but they didn't receive Jesus either. They are the other people that Daniel chapter uh, 2, 44 talks about. And it's the people that they don't get a glorified body, but they aren't tossed into the lake of fire either. They're allowed to live up to a thousand years. And if and when they sin, then a morning star, morning star judge shows up, hits them with a, uh, the, the, the morning star. They fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, killing both body and soul instantly. And that's the reason he says, rule the nations with a rod of iron. That's not us. We're not the nations. The nations are the ones that didn't receive Jesus and didn't take the mark of the beast. The rod of iron means you don't break one law or your history. And her child was caught up to God, that would be Jesus, and to his throne. Matter of fact, let me read that again. His tail drew a third part of the stars, or the third part of the demons, that were angels, and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, that's Jesus, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. All of that is history but part of it is talking about the future as well. In other words, the history, talking about Jesus, but the future is the third part of the stars which cast the ground. Now, how do you know that hasn't happened? Here's how we know. Revelation twelve six, And the woman, this is talking about Israel, specifically the people that are living in Israel, when they see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophets, this is Matthew 24, that's when they are to run into the wilderness. Don't come down from the house stop, don't pack, don't collect $200, don't pass, go, don't do anything, run. Run to the wilderness. That's what it's saying. The woman fled into the wilderness where she hath to prepare uh, a place prepared of God. And I hope to be one of those people preparing that place, and I'm going to show you that. I haven't talked about this much at all, but this is a major thing that I want to do. God has not told me I'm going to get to do it. He has not showed me a dream or vision to do it. He might not let me have anything to do with it, but I want to do it. So we will see if he'll let me do it. The woman fled into the wilderness where she hath this place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. How's, how long is that? thousand two hundred and three score? That's three and a half years. Or time times, and the dividing of a time, or 42 months, however you want to cut it up. Now, here it is. This is when the war in heaven takes place. This is when the devil and his angels will, not they are, but will be cast out. How do we know this? Because the woman doesn't flee into the wilderness until the middle of the tribulation. That's when the Antichrist sets on the Ark of the Covenant. That's the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And that's when they're told to run to the wilderness. So it says, verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was a place found any more in heaven. He's cast out. But when is he cast out? He's cast out just prior, because when the devil comes down, that's when, he, that's when the Antichrist is wounded, and he either dies or he appears to die, and he comes back from life. That's the reason it says, I saw one of his heads as were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power to the beast, and they worshipped the beast. All of that is because this is when Satan and his angels get cast out, and he get when he gets cast out, he inhabits, he possesses 
the body of the beast, of the Antichrist. Look, that's what Lucifer has been wanting to do since the day of creation. He has been wanting to sit on the Ark of the Covenant, that's the throne of God, a golden-covered chair, and say, I'm God, and require worship. That's the reason we know he has not been cast out of heaven yet. He is still there. I'm going to show you scripture on that in just a second, too. Against the dragon, fought against his angels, and prevailed not, neither was a place found any more in heaven. Now, when I was memorizing the book of Revelation, frankly, I didn't think I'd be able to do it. It was difficult. I'm not that smart a guy. If God hadn't helped me, I couldn't have done it. Well, I guess it was probably about chapter two or three. I, I, I was getting disappointed. I was getting discouraged, just to be frank about it. And I thought, well, I, I need like a goal. Okay. I mean, like, where's the middle of of Revelation. I thought, well, you know, maybe if I can memorize to that point, then I can think, okay, well, I memorized half of Revelation. So I was needing like a, a midway goal to reach out and grab. So long story short, I did a lot of, of calculating and I found the exact center of the book of Revelation from the King James Bible. And this is where it was. You see, because the middle of a verse is almost always the primary message in that verse. The middle of a chapter in the King James Bible is almost always the primary chapter's theme in that particular chapter. Well, this is where it was. This is the middle of tribulation, or the middle of the book of Revelation. And the great dragon, that's it right there, was cast out that old serpent. Meaning, the purpose of Revelation, and the primary point of Revelation, is to glorify the casting down of the devil and his angels. That's the whole point of Revelation, is to throw down or to show the throw down and to glorify the casting down of the devil and to glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the primary message of it. Isn't that cool? So the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, why does it repeat itself? Because Revelation is a standalone book. Revelation, unlike many of the other books in the Bible, does not need someplace else in the Bible to confirm the major points of it. So it did not have to say this twice. But when it says it twice, as a matter of fact, you'll find most of the major points within Revelation always repeat within the book of Revelation. It's actually two books because it confirms itself. The dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. So he already says he's cast out. But then he turns around and says it again. Who deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And heard a loud voice saying in heaven. See, this is the middle of the tribulation. This is when the devil and his angels have been cast out. He then inhabits the beast. And this is when the heavens rejoice. Now come, now has come salvation and strengthened the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. See, that's, that's where he is right now. The devil right now, he is standing up for that throne. He is accusing the brethren, those people that called Jesus Lord. He's accusing the day and night. And they overcame him. How do you become an overcomer? This is the description, in my opinion. This is the definition of being an overcomer. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That means that they've accepted Jesus into their lives. And by the word of their testimony, that means that they can give specific incidents in their lives where Jesus has made a change in their life. That saying is not enough to just ask him in your heart. Then you've got to be able to say, well, 
So what's he done in your life? You better have some examples, some specific examples. That's what he's saying. And they love not their lives unto the death. Now, I used to think that that means you'd have to die for Jesus. You probably will, but it doesn't mean you have to. It doesn't mean you have to be willing to. In other words, if you never give the opportunity, I believe you're still an overcomer. In other words, and let me be clear about this, Revelation does not show or say any place exactly what the definition of an overcomer is according to the book of Revelation. But in so many words, it says this. The New Testament describes being an overcomer as those people that overcome the world. But Revelation describes it differently. Revelation describes an overcomer as those people that see the beast, that hear the beast, but resist the beast. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up day and night, and they have no rest, who worship the beast, his image, or whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Meaning, you take that mark of the beast, you can cut off your hand, you can chisel, chisel it off your forehead, but you are going to spend eternity with the beast, the false prophet, and Satan, and there is no hope of escape. Soul, death, not an option. It is eternal torment. That's what he's saying. Let's go on. So here's a picture by Pat Morvenko Smith, probably the greatest person out there that, is, that has painted these paintings for us to help understand what Revelation is, and this is depicting the devil being cast out of hell along with his angels. Revelation twelve twelve. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Why? Because the devil's been cast down. This is when he's about to set on the Ark of the Covenant. He's proclaiming himself God. This is what's about to happen. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw he was cast to the earth, he persecuted the women. That's the people in Israel. In other words, what is happening here? So when he gets cast down, he persecutes the church. Church. So what happens? Well, this is the abomination of desolation taking place. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. That's not getting on an airplane, as I, unfortunately I used to believe too. Most people used to believe that. The two of the women were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished for a time, that's one year, times, that's two years, half a time, that's half a year, so that's three and a half years, from the face of the serpent. means that as when the Ark of the Covenant is set on, the abomination of desolation takes place, when the devil is cast out of, the, of heaven, then they are given two wings of a great eagle. Well, same thing happened when Moses led the people out of Egypt. It said that he led them out on the wings of a great eagle. So this is the same thing. He's leading them now out of Israel back to, I believe, the Mount Sinai, the real location of the real Mount Sinai. Now, let me jump to something else. Once again, another picture by Pat Marvenko Smith. And you see over to the right, this is a picture of the dragon casting water out of its mouth. And it goes down a ravine, and then the earth opens up and swallows up the water. Well, let me go back and read the scriptures. Then I'm going to show you some very, very powerful pictures you have not seen before. So I'll read it again. The woman, we're given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, what we call today the desert, specifically Saudi Arabia, I believe into her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. Okay, so she's going to be leaving Israel. She's going to live down in the desert someplace for three and a half years. That's what it's saying. 
and it says that God has prepared a place for her. That means food, water, clothing, housing. God has already prepared that by the time this happens. That's what I want to be a part of preparing. We'll get to that. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. So as they're going down these ravines, there's a big flood, a big rain. That's what it's saying. That he might cause her, the people of Israel, to be carried away in the flood. So he's trying to drown them. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with or angry with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. In other words, those people that did not do as they were told. See, Jesus, look, if they recognize Jesus, if they've accepted him into their, their life, then they're reading the New Testament. Then they've read Matthew 24. Then they can recognize when the, the uh, abomination of desolation takes place. When they see that, those people that know Jesus, keep the commandments of God, read the New Testament, they're going to leave like Jesus told them to do. So they, they run down there. A flood tries to drown them, but the earth hell opens up and swallows up flood. Then it says that Satan then is very angry. He's wroth. He's mad because God has helped these people. God is, by the way, supernaturally protecting them. By the way, that's, in my opinion, the best place to be if you want to survive the tribulation to the end. Be living in Jerusalem. When you see the abomination of desolation, hopefully if you've got my book, you already know how to spot the beast early, and you're already down there before then. We're going to get to that. And so in the last three and a half years, you're supernaturally protected. But the point I want to get to here is then the dragon was wroth with the woman and, meant to and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Cannot tell you how many times during my Christian walk I heard, oh, we're, gonna, we're the remnant. And, and they said it was such pride. Oh, yeah, we're the remnant. Well, let me just tell you, being the remnant, not a good thing. Why? Because these are the people that had not accepted Jesus or they hadn't read Matthew 24, at least, and they didn't leave. In other words, the abomination of desolation took place. The Antichrist sat on the Ark of the Covenant and said, I'm God, commanded the animal sacrifice to stop. But these guys did not leave. That's the reason he says, and he was wroth with the woman and went to make war. In other words, he left the people that headed south down to the real Mount Sinai. He left them. Or they never went with them. So the devil is chasing them, cause water to try to drown them. The devil then leaves them. He turns around. He has to go back to make war with the remnant of her seed. In other words, the people that did not obey. They did not resist the mark of the beast. And they did not resist. They did not fulfill what Matthew 24 tells them to do when they see the abomination of desolation. Instead, they stayed in Jerusalem or Israel. That's not good. So in this case, what I've learned is being a remnant, not a good thing. We don't want to be a remnant. We want to be overcomers, brothers and sisters. We don't want to do what the devil tells us to do. We don't want to do what the beast or the false prophet tells us to do. We want to do what Jesus tells us to do. So it says, the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, the people of state in Jerusalem, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So these are the people, yeah, mm-hmm. They keep the commandments of God. They have testimony of Jesus Christ. But they didn't do what Jesus told them in Matthew 24. So they're the remnant. They're not the overcomers. Overcomers are the ones that left. Overcomers overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives out of the death. Okay, so this is the uh, story of the dragon casting water out of his mouth, and there's the picture. 
So back in, hmm, 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 this would have been about 1993, three or four someplace in there, we actually took about, uh, I think, nine different groups to Israel, and we showed them where we want to be drilling for oil in Israel. And we showed them all these magnificent, wonderful things about archaeology in Israel. This is our archaeology tour. But I show you this because I want you to look at the right and the left. This is what it looks like walking down some of the ravines. Now, in the, the background there, you see that this ravine is kind of ending. Well, it's ending because just around the corner is the Dead Sea. But most of those ravines down there are just like that. They're like 100, 150 foot high, and it's almost straight up on either side. Here's another picture. Now, the, the yellow arrow here is pointing down to where oil is oozing out of the side of the ravine. But I want you to look at the ravine. I want you to look and, and ask yourself, so if there's a big flood coming down that ravine and there's thousands of people in that ravine, are they going to be able to get out of that? Are they going to be able to climb that wall real fast because it's being flooded? The answer is no. He'll have them unless the earth opens up and helps the woman and opens up her mouth and swallows up the, the flood. Now, you're going to have to look at this here. So let me let me kind of point this out. Here's with my mouse pointer if you're watching the video. Here's Israel. So when the people leave Jerusalem, which is right in this area, they will move down to, and I believe right down in here is probably going to be the area for the land of unwalled villages. I'll get to that in a second. So they'll leave this area, and they'll also leave Jerusalem, and they'll head south down to what is the real Mount Sinai down in here. Ezekiel 38.11 talks about the unwalled villages. The land of unwalled villages to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates, the desolate places that are now inhabited, upon the people that are gathered out of many nations, which have gotten cattle and goods, and dwell in the midst of the land. I used to think that that was talking about America. That's not. Actually, that's talking about most of the Gentiles from around the earth is going to be returning to Israel. Because if you look at where it says having cattle and goods, well, if you go to Israel, uh, you don't find much in the way of cattle. I mean, their steaks are thin as bacon. Uh, they don't have much in the way of cattle or goods. I believe this is the Gentiles after World War III, the war-torn war nations that begin to move to Israel. That's one of the things I want to do when we hit oil in Israel. I want to to go to Israel and say, I want you to give me a large plot of land and let me start bringing back Gentiles and Jews from around the world. We want to build a land of unwalled villages, a place for them to flee. I want you. I want to be able to say to Israel, we'll work out some kind of deal on the oil if you'll give me a way to bring back Christians and Jews from around the world to build a land of unwalled villages. Now, as a confirmation, and Maurice Scalar had no idea that that was one of my goals. As a matter of fact, probably most of you listening, first time you heard it too. So 520 of 2018, we had taken Maurice Scalar and his wife Deborah out to eat. We're said they're eating. All of a sudden, he starts giving me a prophecy. I whip out my cell phone. I record it. This is what he said. Stan, I see you over there talking about Israel. This is only part of it. But you're actually outside. You're more towards like uh, east of Jordan, down, down towards. It's like Saudi Arabia, near, uh, near there. And, and there's oil there. And you're going to be helping the 144,000. Well, duh. 
I'm the guy that's exposed the fact that he, Jesus returned two more times, and one of the times is to uh, 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 to the Mount Zion, Revelation 14.1. And you're going to be helping the communication and the provision. That's the land of unwalled villages and a place for the woman to flee. And you're going to be a financer. The Prophecy Club is going to be vital, and even the Israeli army is going to listen to you. You are strategically placed. The Lord is going to use you in the darkest hour, the very darkest hour in all of history. You're going to be used mightily. You're called geographically to this particular place. I can show you on a map. I see it in my head. It's south and east of the present-day Israel. To the east of the Dead Sea, south and east, I see a circle. It has to do with oil. It has to do with spiritual intelligence. Well, this is where I think it's talking about. Now, if you look at this particular picture, I did not take this picture, but I have taken other pictures like this of this place as I have been to this. This is actually Petra. You're actually looking at one of the temples there. Now, what Petra is, it's actually a sandstone area. Just, just it's, an, it's an ancient mud flow that hardened, and then through the years, the water would flow down there, and through the thousands of years, it made a cut in the sandstone. Well, sandstone is pretty good. I mean, it's, it's, you, you can whittle on it a lot easier than, say, like marble or something or rock. And it makes a pretty good way to make a house into it. And that's what they've done. If you look down these pictures here, and I've actually been down this ravine, and that's the way it looks. This is the water through thousands of years flowing down through the ravine. Now, in my opinion, I think that this is probably where God is going to have me to build the land of unwalled villages. All down through there, there are several million people that could live down in this big ravine. But it is, that's exactly it. It's a ravine. Water flows down it. And if the devil were to cause a big flood, he could cause a lot of people to be carried away of the flood, be drowned, just like the prophet of the scripture says. So anyway, down through here, they can cut holes in this, and they have. There's a time when thousands of people lived down in here. They, this is ancient ruins. But even today, you could actually look. This is inside of them. If you're looking at some of the pictures, this is actually inside of some of the places. So I'll ask you. Could you live inside that? I think you could. This one, you can see that's huge. And it's all cut into sandstone. And there's several miles of this. It's an all-day affair to walk down this, and that's on donkey back. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's big. It's huge. And there's a lot of places where, I mean, if people had to live in an emergency, pretty good place right there. Pretty good place. Now, let's talk about where the woman would flee. My opinion, let me back up to a map here. Okay, here we go. My opinion, so this is Israel. This is southwest end of the Dead Sea, one of the places we want to drill for oil. And then Petra, I was just showing you that. Petra is located over here. However, the place where the woman will flee is probably down to the real Mount Sinai, where she's going to have another experience with God, which is way down here in Saudi Arabia, northern Saudi Arabia. So if they see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet up here in Jerusalem, some of them are already living down here in the land of unwalled villages that Stan and others that God will send down here will build here or someplace. They will all flee from Jerusalem. They'll flee past the land of unwalled villages, and they will go down and they will live in this area. Now, the interesting part of that is what has happened. 
Look at this picture. Okay, here it is. It's called Neom, spelling E. <laughs> Try it again. N E O M. N E O M. Neom. Welcome to Neom. It is actually the world's most ambitious project, the website says. An entire new land, purpose built for a new way of living. And they want to build a whole new community. This is down what we would call Mount Sinai, all in the Mount Sinai area around where Moses got the Ten Commandments and all of that sort of stuff took place. And this is Saudi Arabia, and also there are several other nations that are in the process of spending billions, billions of dollars, guess what, for a place prepared of God for them to flee to. They don't even know it, but they're preparing it for Israel to flee down here. You see, Israel is going to merge World War III, the great victor, going to get back all of the land, and that will probably include Saudi Arabia. Here is where the development will last. Now, if you see this way over here, this is Sukkot. This is where Moses and the children of Israel left. They went down here, and then they crossed here at the Dead Sea. Right here is where they came out. Down here is Mount Sinai, and this is Neom. And they're going to basically build a whole big, nice, wonderful, billion-dollar city all around Mount Sinai. My opinion is probably a place for the woman to flee. So let me put this into uh, to perspective here. Here's Jerusalem. This is Petra, probably the land of unwalled villages. And then down here is the real Mount Sinai or Neom or a place for the woman to flee. See, there's two things. There's People begin to living into the land of unwalled villages. And then the Russians come down to attack at the, the, the unwalled villages, Ezekiel 38 and 39. And then so they flee from there and they flee down to the, uh, uh, the, 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 where the woman will flee, which is what we call Neom today. Here's a better map. You can see they leave Jerusalem. They flee down to the unwalled villages and then back down to Mount Sinai. Pretty cool. And this is another close-up of Petra. This is a different kind of a map showing you the same thing. I've got several maps. Also, the square area there in the green is probably, according to the Bible, according to my understanding of it, probably about where the New Jerusalem will set down. In other words, that golden city, clear as crystal or transparent as glass, will set down. About 250 miles square is what it's going to be. That's huge. 250 miles high, that's, that's really, really big. Okay, so let me wrap it up with this. Leslie has a special for Mother's Day where she's offering two, three books, two anointing oils, and her perfume. The first one is Crown of Glory book. She shows you how to have victory. She explains how to receive the crowns and what God expects in our walk with the Lord. It explains the crowns and how to receive them. Then she has her crown of glory oil. This is more for anointing for spiritual warfare, anointing yourself, praying for people, praying for six people, anointing your house. So it's spiritual warfare oil. And then more than a ruby book is the book that helps men and women to understand each other. Men love it because they see the female perspective and women see the men's perspective. They find God's plan for men and it's saved marriages. Along with that comes her new virtuous perfume. And she, I have to say, I love this perfume. I think it's my favorite perfume I've ever smelled in my life. And God had to give her the ingredients to put this thing together. 
case you didn't know that, we actually went to a place we actually made perfume, and this was her perfume, and it it really smells good. And there is no other perfume on earth like this. She she actually made this perfume. Very, very good. Then her first book called Perfect Touch. And in this book, it's talking about how to recognize that God is speaking to us every day. So the offer is this. Three books, two anointing oils, and one perfume. Valued $135, gift of $100 at prophecyclub.com. Three books, two anointing oils, and virtuous perfume. $135 value, gift of $100. And you might consider getting a rose to give to your wife or your daughter or your mom or something like that uh, for Mother's Day. If, By the way, if you order by May 1st, we think we can get it to you in the latter, lower 48 states by Mother's Day. Uh, that is, assuming the, the virus situation cooperates. Also, I want to encourage you to get my book, Miss the Mark. I believe that this is going to be one of the most important books, I don't know, what of our life. I'll say it that way, because I like to ask two questions. What would you do if you had to tell someone the most important information on the earth, but you knew they wouldn't believe you? Hopefully you'd tell them. Okay, so what's the most important information? Well, the most important thing to do, obviously, is to accept Jesus. But the most important thing not to do is don't take the mark of the beast. Because those people that take the mark of the beast do not get soul death. They're tossed into the lake of fire, burneth with fire and brimstone, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up, and they have no rest, day or night, who worship the beast or his image or whosoever receive the mark of his name. In other words, they're tossed into the lake of fire. They do not get exit. There's no hope of escape with the beast, the false prophet, and Lucifer for all eternity. All of those people that take the mark of the beast. And brothers and sisters, I believe that most of the people alive today will have the opportunity to either deny Jesus and take the mark or be killed, one or the other. This book is designed to tell them in a nice sort of way how they do not want to take the mark of the beast. Whatever happens, they do not want to take that mark of the beast. And I suggest you get it for them. Now, one for 20, but don't do that. We want to, we offer them in shrink wrap sets of 10, 10 or one set of 10 for 30, two sets for 45, four sets for 70 at prophecyclub.com. My other book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, essentially here's what happened. I began memorizing the book of Revelation, just going to be a project. Matter of fact, I didn't even think I'd really be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it, except God helped me. So what happens, I started memorizing the book of Revelation, and I started getting revelations. I mean, information that I'd never known about Bible prophecy before, and I don't think it's because I'm special. Matter of fact, I don't think it came to me up because I memorized the book of Revelation. I think it came to me because you are about to be a tribulation saint. Because all of this tribulation stuff, all this end times, they really are upon us. And he's giving it to you because he wants you to be an end time soul winner. He wants you to be able to give an answer to people about what's going on. So anyway, he showed me in a vision that there is a secret door that links the feasts to the prophecy of Revelation. See, because the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. It's all out of place. It jumps and skips and hops. Well, what this does... By knowing the secret door, you can, for the first time, put the events and the prophecies of Revelation in correct chronological order. This goes here, this goes here, this is next, because I can't tell you how many people get it all mixed up. I mean, like, for example, where is the marriage supper of the Lamb? 
When does that take place? And you folks that believe in a pre-trib rapture, where does that fit in? Uh, is there such a thing as the marriage separate lamb? And what about uh, the beast? I mean, when's the, the middle of the tribulation? All of that is all put in place in two charts in the back of the book to help you to understand, which, by the way, there is no pre-trib. There is no mid-trib. There is no pre-wrath rapture. No one is going to go anywhere. Leslie's trying to talk me into writing a book on that, and so maybe I'll get around to that too. Anyway, one prophecy said, there is a lock that I put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Now, again, don't buy one, but one is $20, five for 30. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of five, five for 30, 10 for 55. Get a whole case for your church, 60 for $250. Now, I don't know how many we sold. It's getting up pretty close to 20,000, these books now. And that's pretty good for just our little ministry. I've not received an email where somebody said, man, you're cracked. You got a headache. You got a hole in your head, boy. It's so far off. I haven't, please don't, <laughs> thank you. I'm not asking for them. What I'm trying to say is I believe God is in this book. And I believe God will help you to understand Bible prophecy. Recommend you get the book. And finally, get signed up for a sevenfold miracle crusades. New dates are July 29 to August 2. You can go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com and tell you all about it. Essentially, it's designed to do thing, two things. To get you ready to teach Bible prophecy in the time of trouble ahead and to walk in sevenfold miracles. To be able to lay hands on, see blind, see, blame, walk. People get out of wheelchairs. You want to be a part of that? sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com